It is a time of legend. The galaxy is in flames. The age of knowledge and enlightenment has ended. The age of darkness has begun. Greetings and welcome to the Fires Betrayal podcast, a podcast dedicated to discussing the Horus Heresy, a setting produced by Games Workshop for its war games. This show is focused on all of the different Horus Heresy games and products out there. And today's show, our very first show of this podcast, is going to be about getting to know us, the voices behind the podcast. My name is Martin Emery. I'm the primary host of the podcast. And in a minute, I'm going to be joined by two of my friends, Lucas and AJ. And we're going to spend the next hour thereabouts discussing many things to do with the Horus Heresy, our own personal hobby, what we collect, what we're planning on collecting, what we're currently working on, and our feelings about the recent releases for the various Horus Heresy things in general. The show that will come after this one is going to be a much more focused show. Most of our shows will be focused in on an individual topic, with the occasional show like this one thrown in where there'll be a discussion between myself and some of my good friends. So with that, I think I will turn it over to, well, Martin a few days ago when I sat down to discuss the hobby and everything with Lucas and AJ. Talking about releases for uh, Horus Heresy, where we are at the moment. Did you guys get a hold of the book? I know, AJ, you've been collecting the edition runs. I missed out on that completely. I was, uh, my wife and I were in two separate locations. I was down in mm-hmm. Texas with my kids. Um, both of us tried getting on like early, like we normally would to get them. Both of us missed out, so I crashed before <laughs> we could get anything. Yeah, it was, um, I don't know how to say it. It was terrible. To put it diplomatically, a shit show is not far <laughs> off. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, but it was pretty bad. But that's what happens when you put up four limited editions in the same day, right? Or three or four or whatever. They missed the ball on that one. They put way too many up and their servers couldn't handle the load. I get what they were trying to do by having uh, like a, one special day to celebrate Black Library, but yeah. They've done that in the past, but they've never put up this much at once. The end of the death. It's hard to celebrate if you can't celebrate. Right. It's not very much of a celebration if you can't get the stuff that you want, especially when we're, what, this is the eighth, well, what, tenth volume that some people have already? Previously, the Black Library celebration books have been, um, how to put this, non-series books. Books that are just like, oh, that sounds unusual, and if it hadn't been a Black Library celebration day, maybe it wouldn't be quite the fanfare. These were three books that I'd heard people talking about, ignoring just the piracy book. The other two were not small books either, as far as Black Library is concerned. Right. Yeah. Um, Is the actual book already out? Uh, I think you can buy the digital copy through the app, and I believe it's either i think it's on audible as well i haven't started listening to it yet but um i heard from a little bird that there are six entire pages of dramatis personae in the book yeah so and if you look at like the um if you actually go and look at it on the black library website it is a monster that book is an absolute unit (laughs) i'm not looking forward to it i'm I'm now going to go double check how long the audio is going to be um it's only half of the book, too. It's yeah, part um, one. I'm still uh, two. Have you seen them saying a, a part two? I still haven't seen. Like every time I've looked, I try to see whether they've said it's part 
one of two or part one of hmm? They've never said. It is. It's going to be a volume one and volume two. Have you, you seen the... You, I assumed it was two volumes. You but... see, you've seen confirmation that it's two volumes, AJ? Yes, on their community website, uh, posting up talking about it when they did the interview with the author. Okay, good. I was... Yeah. Had that little nagging doubt that they were going to try and pad it out for a third book. Uh, I'm not saying that they won't do that, but for right now, it's only supposed to be two. And I'm not seeing an audiobook release yet. No, I'm not either. I thought... It might not be available on the first day, or sometimes the Audible is like... You know, they have the audiobook that you can buy through like the Warhammer mm -hmm. digital app, I think. I don't really do the app. I just do Audible. And then they have the Audible version. And sometimes they don't... No, quite often the audio, like, you can't pre-order, and then it'll be up. Yeah, it's not available yet on, which is fine. I've got other books I've got to listen to. Um, right, I never I never actually listened to Garrow, the last Garrow book or whatever. I never... I haven't done either of the novellas. Didn't do Garrow, and I haven't... Oh, that was such a waste of time. Like, it was so short, it was it wasn't even a short story. It was just a pamphlet. Oh, really? That sucks. Well, I'll still listen to it, because I, I... It could have been a footnote. Yeah, I'm kind of invested now, though, in the Garrow's storyline or whatever. I did the same with the Magnus book that I sort of just, I just went to some websites and read the story, the beats of the story and have read the book. It's a good story, um, but it does feel like it's kind of tacked on, kind of left over. Like they could have, you could have ignored it and nothing well, would have been lost. Magnus was written by my least favorite Black Library author, so I'm getting a slow dislike of Graham McNeil, and it's weird. I don't sure why, but I should love his material. I just don't. I haven't really liked anything that they've done with Magnus the whole time. Kind of like you, like, it's just not intriguing to me. It's, I'm not a Magnus apologist. I liked Prospero, and I liked the... Yeah, Prospero Burns and A Thousand Sons. But every other appearance of Magnus after that has just been kind of... Eh? That's kind of where I'm at as well. I, I agree. Like... I agree. Um, I think, isn't A Thousand Sons the first uh, Black Library book to be on the New York Times bestseller list? Mm-hmm. And it was really good. Like, the character felt like it should have died at the end. That's the problem. Yeah, I agree. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's the books. Um, so, the other one. Um, what did we think of the uh, Demon Assassin we had this week? I'm divided on them all. I don't hate it, but um, that's pretty much my feelings on all <laughs> demons. I'm not really big demons, guys. So, like, I could kind of take it or leave it. Yeah, I, I saw a, quite a few of my close friends and hot taking that, you know, it didn't feel like 30k. And the Tabletop Inquirer did their parody, you know, Demons Don't Feel Like 30K, despite 30K being a story about demons. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. But I don't know. I kind of like the model. Maybe it's the painting. Yeah, the when they kind of, like, moved to the Specialist Game Studio and, like, moved to the heavy metal style on a lot of their stuff, I think that was kind of a big blow to what drew a lot of, I, I don't want to say most, a year ago, before the box set, I would have said most, but now we have a lot of new blood, and that that's great. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that from kind of the old guard, a lot of what drew them to Horus Heresy was that military modeling style. Yeah. It's kind of done, you know, with the weathering pigments and all of that. Yeah, that's... And they've kind of... The official art or the official, you know, box art or whatever has moved away from that. And that... That's been a point of contention with Horus Heresy players for quite some time. Yeah. Especially, like I said, kind of the old guard guys. I mean, that's the Forge World. Like, I mean, Forge World didn't feel like part of the Citadel paint range. Now it does. Right. And they weren't using they weren't using no. Citadel product. 
Like they were using whatever they wanted. You remember the mm-hmm. masterclass books that told you to go buy Tamiya yeah. X20 or whatever? Yeah. They would never do that today. I don't think, I don't know that Forge World has a painting studio anymore. I think it's all just in the main building. I'm not sure Forge World has any employees anymore. I think they're all now, because I think there was one stage that you did have people employed by Forge World and they were, I think they're all lined up as now part of Core Games. They, all the managers are on those lines. Like you either work for the Core Games or you work for mm-hmm. Specialist Games and no one yeah. works for Forge World. I can see that. It wouldn't. That's. Probably well, how it, it should have been a long time ago. Actually, a heresy. There are a couple of people who were like, "We are the heresy team." But... Yeah, I think I think we know that that's true, right? Because uh, it's led by Andy Hoare, and uh, who's under him? Because he's like the head yeah. of Specialist Games, I think. And then there's a guy under him that's like yeah. the heresy guy. And then you remember you had oh back in the olden days, you had like mm-hmm. Alan Bly, and then like he, you know, when he passed away, they like kind of floundered for a bit, and then they found Anuj. Yeah. And had to anuge for a while, and he was kind of like the guy that was really driving Horse Heresy for better or for worse. Some people don't like him. I think he's fine, but and then there's another guy after him. I think his name's yeah. like Neil. I, or something. I don't. It's weird. It's I think people like us who've been in the hobby for a while want to remember the times when it you know picked up the codex. You look to who wrote it because it's going to matter. And I think we're so far past that now. It's, it's such a everyone does a little bit of everything. Yeah. It's not so much about what someone wants. It's What's that corporate mentality? Yeah, they definitely it's definitely become corporate. Like, oh well, better or worse. I think in some ways it's better because it's not. Some ways it is better. Um, ten years ago, you know, when Black Book Two came out, there was you know how far away a mm-hmm. plastic horse heresy box set was. Like it was not on the horizon, and now we're have you know we've had three. With the last one probably being the best value. The Betrayal of Kalth was really good, but... I think the, the current box set is probably the best value product they've sold in almost 10 years. Like, I don't think I've... Even with, like, price increases, it's still, like... I don't think I'd have bought at it when I first got in the hobby. Yeah. Really, really good amount of... And, well, uh, I don't know. The... What's it called? The preset maniple for Titanicus was quite a good deal. I wish I would have got that one. Yeah, I missed out on it. Like... I'm a little bit mad at myself because it's a, it's a pretty sick deal. I saw somebody the other day that was like complaining, like I used to be able to buy Warlords for you know fifty bucks or whatever, and now they're all like only thirty percent off retail online, you know, or what mm-hmm. you know on like used and stuff. And he was like, "What happened?" And I was like, "All the nice maniple box sets dried up that people were splitting." Um, I suppose the only other random bit of news speculation I want to drop is, um, do you guys see that the uh... Sakara and Venator has disappeared from the web page. Yeah, a stealth. So that's a stealth um, pull because they told us about the Dreadnoughts leaving, which I'm not really super happy with. But I kind of saw it coming. I I like I like the unique like shoulders and the unique legs as well. I wish that maybe that was something that you could have kept. Like you could have had a you know now it's just torsos, right? Maybe we should talk about that. That like that's one of the new announcements is that it's just a torso kit for a dreadnought, and they've only released five out of the legion. Five of the legions, right? Yeah, well, they've announced. I I suspect we'll get all of them, but oof, it's yeah. Well, uh, my understanding is it's uh, they're literally just repackaging the torso from the Forge World kit. They're exactly the same as the old Legion specific contemptors. It's just only the torso. 
and I'm not super mad about it. It all depends on the price. You know what I mean? If it's like I I want to say 20 bucks, but I know it'll be like 35 or 40, right? I like I would not be surprised. I mean, I'm not going to buy them, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see them appearing at 50 50 bucks in the US. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, I I don't disagree with you, but so does anybody know off the top of their head what the price on a resin contemptor was or is right now? Most of them are sold out, but it was around the hundred dollar mark. May have been eighty with we- eighty, and then a hundred with weapons. Then actually, like being fifty dollars doesn't make it. It makes it about the same as long as you don't want all the weapons. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It makes it, you know, where you is it sixty bucks for the plastic, right? Yes. Yeah, retail. Retail. So that makes it one ten. Yeah. That's about the same. But you could argue that it's a worse product. Because it's like less, de- you know, less Legion specific detail, but oh, this is this was the problem I had. I was I had my spending money at the uh, over the summer, and it's like enough for the box set, the upgrade, the upgrade weapons, and some other money. And I looked at picking up contemptors, and I was just like, I'm not sure the resin was worth what the plastic gave me. Because <laughs> yeah, because you do get how many weapons you get in the main one? Like the one four. in the box, you get four weapons. You get two. You get you get both sprues in the box. So you got. Yeah, it's a three sprue box set, and you get all the weapons, and it's really easy to magnetize, and it's just like, oof. And it's a plastic kit, so you can convert it. It's not like making a detailed model is hard for in the hobby a bit for a while. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, so the one, okay, so the the plastic one, so the one that came in the box set only had half the weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just came. It's it was just two sprues. You just had the sprue one or whatever. But then if you buy it separate, it includes. Mm-hmm. One of every weapon. Uh, okay, so that makes a that makes it a pretty good deal if the torso is fifty, because then that's a hundred and ten. But if you would have bought all those weapons, that would have been like almost two hundred dollars. The weapons were like twenty bucks a piece before, so I don't have a problem with that really. And then you can have like you know you can have your if you want like three of them or whatever, you can have like two of the plastic with like just transfers. And then one Legion specific torso, and then the weapons can easily be shared along amongst all of them. Whereas with the resin, that was a little bit harder. Yeah, it's not a bad. Yeah. Okay, I'm a little bit less mad, but I wish that it would have come with the leg armor. Maybe even if it was just like one of them, I wish it would have come with that. But that's not too bad. And maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe they'll be forty or forty-five and be a little bit better. I can't imagine the B30 in the UK because that's thirty pounds. About what a single model's going for. Um, I think the only other one I wanted to mention on the news was the bike kit. I've, I've got mine on pre-order coming in. I want, I want the models. Not sure I'm excited putting them on the table, but they look pretty. Yeah, one of my close friends, uh, right before 2.0 came out, he finished his like Skyhunter Phalanx all jet bikes. It's so garbage. But um, the I think like a little squad of them, you know, three or maybe even six of them is pretty could still be pretty good. They're not as good as they once were, but that's okay. Um, even like, you know, maybe like three multi-melta ones or even the Volkai Culverin ones are pretty good. I know, I'm hoping I can magnetize the front gun. This is a plastic kit, so. The resin ones you could. I had a ton of the resin ones back in the day, but. Yeah, if I can, if I can magnetize them, it's going to be a really good kit. Otherwise, I'm going to have to make some decisions soon. Um, and I'm, I know you can, mag- I know every, every kit can be magnetized. It's whether it's magnetizable within my level of comfort. Right. It's how much work is it? Because, like, I'll be real with you. If I have to bust out, like, green stuff to magnetize it, I'm just not doing it. No, and then I'm, even then, I'm, 
Yeah. Even then, I'm really bad about it. Like, I just pulled my Imperial Knights out of storage, and I'm 30k'ing them up, and I'm like, I had them fully magnetized. I'm like, no, they're going to be they're going to be permanently glued into weapon options now, because I'm just done with magnetizing them. <laughs> yeah, I magnetized a couple weapons and, like, my tanks and stuff for 30k, but most of the time, I usually just pick the cheapest weapon yeah, and then glue it on. Like, if it's, like, a pencil weapon or, like, you know, Sponson. Well, the Sponsons you don't have to magnetize. It's pretty nice. But what sucks is if you had the old tanks mm-hmm. and the new tanks, the Sponsons aren't really, you know, they're not really compatible, especially if you had the old ones yeah. magnetized, which is what I have. Um, oh, I actually made a 3D-printed adapter that you can, like, glue on to your old Sponson, and then they oh, will nice. take the new Sponson. Yeah, that so, is. Pretty cool. 3D printing for the win. Well, much as me and Lucas talking earlier about event organization, 3D printing is like, you know... Hobby in and of itself. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's definitely its own thing. It's like, it's one I'm not willing to commit to yet. Um, I suspect it's a matter of time, but... Well, the learning curve's a bit steep on occasion, but you got plenty of people that have already dabbled to help. Yeah. And like, um, you know, as it gets more accessible, it's kind of like a, kind of like a boat, right? The best way to own a boat is for your buddy to own a boat. <laughs> I'm interested to see what's caused my sort of interest in 3D printing is noticing that the companies that were running 3D printing like shops aren't growing as quickly as I thought they would, which is I think it's because it's almost too easy to do it yourself. Like we're we're definitely getting to the point where it's almost turnkey. It becomes a question of time, I think's the thing is the heard on a different podcast the other day someone talking about you know what games workshop costs to make a model compared to how much it costs for 3d print one and i'm like yeah the difference is is that you're doing the time part of the printing of it i think you're spending your time just differently because like so if you were to buy um you know let's pull up the contemptor dreadnought right so uh the contemptor dreadnought is a doesn't say I was looking for how many parts. Oh, 164 plastic components. That's like a 10-part print. Mm-hmm. Like you print the, you know, like the legs, upper, lower, the little groin, the torso, the little piece in between the waist, of the torso, the arm, the shoulders, the arms, the head. The torso is like one piece, but a plastic attempter is like 20. So you spend a lot of time like clipping and cleaning and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that 3D printing, we're talking about MSLA printing, right? We're talking about resin printing. Um, I'm not saying that it doesn't have its cleanup. Like it definitely does have cleanup and post-processing. But what's cool is being able to print a model effectively complete. Oh, yes. Like um, one of the things I've been printing lately is uh, Battlefleet, Yeah. really for Battlefleet Heresy, but Battlefleet Gothic miniatures. And, like, I know that when they were sold, that they were not really huge multi-part kits. Like, most of them were, like, you know, they, even the plastics were, like, five or six parts, basically. Yeah, that's it. I'm trying to think my kit. But, like, I can print a Dauntless Light Cruiser in one piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the... So, I enjoy that. Um, but, I will say that the pla- a lot of times plastic and even resin, you know, um, cast resin, is a little bit more... It's, it is a little bit easier to work with, like, for conversions. Like, a lot of times when you resin print stuff, uh, the resin is brittle. It's kind of hard to drill. Um, you can put holes in it before you print it, but... It's, it's just a very... I mean, this thing, it's, it's a very different hobby. I mean, one of my favorite things to do in wargaming war is to get the 
plastic kit and kit bash something. It's been what I've done since I was a kid, and I can't imagine... This is where I struggle with 3D printing. It's like, well, do I individually print the bits so I can glue them together? And I'm like, well, it's probably just easier for me to keep on using the plastic. That's what it's designed for. Um, so 3D modeling comes into play because you can model everything digitally, then print the converted model off. Yeah, oh, exa exactly. I mean, if that's how you want to do it. But for me, it's not going to be the same tactile, relaxing thing that I've grown up doing. Yeah, and then there's always like the mm -hmm. um, going through your bits box, looking for the perfect bit is not is way in my opinion way more engaging and like more of a almost oh, yeah. a treasure hunt feel than looking on Cults 3D for the right guy with the right little gun hand or whatever that you can download or pay five dollars for, and then you only need the one little bit, but he hasn't separated the little bit. So you have to open it in the little software and cut the bits off. And What 3D printing is going to end is the other thing I've got on my, on my list of news is that stupid multi-headset that Games Workshop puts out. There's nothing more irritating than me than those the head kits we've been getting for like the last year now. I don't. It is lazy. It's like, it's like I mean, I'm sure they're just printing money because that's what it... It's a paid accessory kit. <laughs> yeah. It's just like... Yeah, it makes your $60 Tactical Squad or $80 Tactical Squad into a... Yeah, and what's even worse if that the ones they put out with the demon is like, hey, here's a pack of ten random heads without helmets. Use one of them for a character. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. I, I, I'll i be honest. I kind of like the unhelmeted one because it's usable for everybody. I do, but I, they're the ones that I'm like... I, I continually hear the, oh, 3D printing is going to replace everything Games Workshop does, and I'm like, maybe not. But those kits, they're the ones that are going to be... If someone had a, one of my mates at a 3D printer and I wanted one of those heads, i just print one of those. Yeah, that's true. See, I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I have a 3D printer, if that wasn't obvious. And I mostly use it to print, like, bits. I don't really print, like... I'm not printing tactical squads. You can, but that's not really what I'm doing. I, I'm kind of a little bit... What's the word? Like, a little bit particular... When it comes to that kind of stuff. So like if like the STL of like the Mark Six Marines or whatever is a little bit different from the plastics, I'm gonna it's gonna bother me. If I if I printed like the entire army and they all matched, that's fine. But if I have like plastics and then mixed with like STLs that don't quite match, that that frustrates me. That bothers me. But printing bits and stuff is cool. Like I printed a bunch of bits for my Night Lord that then I've never started. But I said, I, I said oh, okay, yeah, you've got Night Lords. I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't seen your Night Lords. Uh, I've only ever seen your um, Archangel. Yeah, I've st I'm, I want to start my Night Lords, but then the Adepticon prep has kind of been... Yeah, well, that will do that to you, and I imagine that's all you're doing. Right, kind of, yeah. So I suppose um, we should probably just go through a who we are moment. So I'll start. Um, so for those people who are listening who don't know who I am, uh, I'm Martin Emery. I've been doing podcasts now for... Getting on to three years. This will be the second podcast I've really done after the God Engine cast, which I talked about a bit right at the start of the show. I'm based out in Oklahoma, despite the accent. Play the word bearers in 40k for my sins, um, mostly because I want an excuse that I can always be the bad guy. Um, other than heresy, I play 40k still, and Titanicus, and uh, Aeronautica occasionally. See, that's what we need to play, is Aeronautica. <sighs> yeah. I need, I need to do more Aeronautica. I've got to, I've got to get together... I spent way too many. I spent way too much money to not play this game. Mm -hmm. Basically, is where it is. My problem is I haven't got a heresy aeronautical army. I've got a orc aeronautical. 
Oh, that doesn't bother me. I'll play against that. I don't. I don't care. They're just a little broken. The orcs are broken. They're orcs. They're supposed to be. Do you have the ground assets? Orc ground assets? No, I've got the orc ones. It's not. I just also have the list I've been running, which is just all the really cheap fighters. Orcs can just have really, really cheap planes, and you just win the activation game that lets your two really big things get where they need to be. The swarm is real. Mm-hmm. AJ knows. AJ's played me with it. AJ, do you want to run through the list? Um, are you so I'm AJ. I'm based out of Oklahoma. I do a lot of gaming with Martin, a lot of pickup games, uh, like beer and pretzels type stuff. Primarily, I'm a Titanicus player. Um, I dabble with Aeronautica. Uh, used to be big in a 40k, but fell out of the hobby and yeah. pretty much have just stayed with Titanicus going forward. Which is all good. I'm definitely going to be plenty of Titanicus content with this show, because Titanicus is still a really, really good game. I want to get into Heresy, but just haven't had the time or effort. But I've got the books and been reading those behind the scenes. What uh, what legion would you play, or what faction would you play if you were to get into it? This is where you'll make fun of me, Lucas. But I'm one of the Magnus apologizers. Oh uh, no, not one of them. Either either the Thousand Sons, or I'll go straight Sons of Horus. One of the two. I'm just kidding. They're both pretty cool, actually. I I really like the Thousand Sons color scheme. I'm not really that into their lore. Um, you know, it, it's like one of those things where. I just don't feel sorry for them. It's like they told you this was going to happen. Um, but I do really like a lot of the other stuff about the Thousand Sons. I really like like the kind of quest for knowledge. I like the Egyptian aesthetic. Um, I like the, like I said, I like the color scheme. Color scheme is very easy to make look very good. That gloss candy red. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've done Alpha Legion before. Um, that was my army, not right before I started I guess it was actually right before I started Dark Angels, and it's kind of the same thing, although I think the Candy Red might actually be... I think the Thousand Suns do suffer from Magnus. Like, if you, if you were to ignore him, the Legion's really good, fluff-wise and story-wise. I agree! It's kind of like the World Eaters. The World Eaters are cool, except for Angron. Angron's dumb. That's my opinion. I would, I'd also go as far as to say that I think they suffered from the... Horus Heresy books suffered from the fact that Games Workshop started trying to have Magnus as more of a big character because they just released their big plastic kit for him. A lot of their 40k releases seem to coincide with the books. Yeah. And they wind up feeling a bit disjointed. Yeah, that can happen for sure. Targeted sales, and I just, yeah. Very targeted. But knowing me, I'd wind up doing like, oh, pre-betrayal. like That'd be my like loyalist Thousand Sons, because that's how i wind up going for most of my armies <laughs> yes yes uh, i think that'd be really cool i like yeah. that a lot actually i won't make funny of it aj is renowned for having his loyalist uh traitors especially in titanicus uh, yeah so what faction you play in titanicus what legio and all my tempestus survived mars <laughs> oh hell yeah that's cool i like the tempestus color scheme yeah. a, a really good religion they just suffered from inconsistent writing at games workshop which is why AJ plays the Loyalist Traitors. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, they're one of my like founding legios for me because I found fell in love with them from the books. But then on the tabletop, they're not really the best. But I stuff suffer with them. I don't know. You've been getting better at them. That last game we played was definitely more balanced. Yes. Yeah. A lot of more shenanigans for certain, but awesome luck. Yeah, I was gonna say I find the balance of Titanicus is not. Like, the Legio balance really isn't that important. There are some top-tier Legios, but, like, 
I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's like there's no Legio that I like rock up to, except for some maybe like super gamey custom Legios. There's like no Legio that I walk up to and I'm like, oh, these guys, you know, it, it just I don't know. It feels like everybody's within a much closer percentage of each other. Everybody else yeah. in some other game. You haven't played Mike Norton, so um... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Mike Norton. Mike Norton is slightly out there. That's the. I know they're good, but like I said, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But I haven't ever really rolled up to Titanicus and then played the game and then lost and been like, oh well, it's probably because my Legio rules suck, or it's because their Legio rules are super good. You know, some basically get a plus one to hit and re and re rolls to hit, and it can be really oppressive. It's, and they get the special rules for playing against Tempestus players. Well, yes, that as well. I mean, the. It, it doesn't help our games. <laughs> yeah. The one the one thing that I've taken away from a lot of games that I've played has been if your opponent has special rules that allow you to do re-rolls, that's when you start feeling a little like left out. Yeah, that's true. Like, re-roll is the most powerful mechanic in the game because it's not super common. It's more common, I think, with the later releases than it was in the beginning, but that's okay. Again, I, that's just how I kind of feel about Titanicus. It's like overall, all the Legios are much closer together in balance than some other games. Like honestly, even my beloved Horus Heresy, like there's clearly top tier stuff in Horus Heresy. I hate to say it, but like... Yeah, I mean, I think Heresy's weird though, because I mean, Heresy's got a level of complexity uh, that makes creating tier lists difficult because there's always the what if i'm doing this and the what if i'm doing this is can not be edge case scenarios they can be fairly regular gaming things but there are definitely some legions that yeah like imperial fist easy mode legion oh well um anyways that used to really bother me like really bother me was like you know oh they, they're just so much better but like i found that especially in second edition and like just lately it's bothered me less where I'm like, yeah, they're better, but like, whatever, who cares? Just play the game. If you don't want to, if there's people you don't want to play against, don't play against them, whatever. It's well, I think that plays down to our community. It's very, no one's, no one's walking around with like little lists of their win loss record. No one cares. Yeah. Nobody cares, buddy. We're here for a good time. Yeah. It's like, you, you will talk about the game in two days. And if the game was one-sided against me, I'm sure that, in a week, I'm going to be talking about how amazing your army was, and that will be the conversation I'll be having. So it's, yeah, like, it doesn't matter. Seems the game. Yeah, and I find that that's, like, a pretty common, you know, um, pretty common attitude to have in Horus Heresy. That's mm -hmm. one of the things I really like about yeah, it. Yeah, it's, I think I spoke about this at an event a while ago. It's like, I really, about, about four years ago, I was really into Age of Sigmar, and I really liked, like, where the game was at that point, and then... Age of Sigmar has gone really competitive and it went really quickly competitive. That's become like you, you re it's all about maximizing your list and not about, you know, oh, that was an awesome game. What about this story? And the heresy's got that. It also doesn't seem to have lost it despite the enormous influx of new players. Yeah, I agree. But enough about enough about Horus Heresy. You want me to introduce myself? Yes. <laughs> okay. So my name's Lucas. Uh, I live here in like uh, the DFW area, like North North um, North Texas. Uh, I've been playing Horse Heresy since uh, I think 2015. The first time I did Horse Heresy, I like started. You know, I really started. Actually, podcasts is what me got start got me started with it. Started listening to things like I Have Horus and then uh, Radio Free Istvan and um, 
Age of Darkness and stuff like that. The big, you know, the big names in the pod in the 30k podcasts, and uh, that got me really hard for uh, Horus Heresy. And then I built Imperial Fist. That was the first army I built for Horus Heresy, and I took them to Adepticon, and they were like really poorly painted. But it was the first army I'd been playing 40k for a long time. It was the first army that I ever like completely fully painted, and, like took to an event, and I was really proud of it. And it's just gotten better, you know. I've just gotten better since then, and you kind of have to paint stuff that's trash to get better. That's kind of how it works, right? Nobody really starts out being really great, or a lot of people don't. And so, I play Horus Heresy. I play um, Battlefleet Heresy. We're trying to kind of start that a little bit. I have a huge fleet for that. Uh, I play Adeptus Titanicus. I play Legio Crucius in Adeptus Titanicus. So I've got 28mm Legio Crucius and 8mm Legio Crucius. And then I've got um, Aeronautic Imperialis. I've got a, I've got Divisio Militarum. I got the Valkyries. I got the regular Imperial Navy planes. And I got Dark Angels for that as well. I played Dark Angels in Horse Heresy. Now, I've played Imperial Fists. I played Alpha Legion. I had Talons of the Emperor for a little while. I had a almost entirely Sister of Silence army. And I'm now kind of regretting I sold it because the new Sister of Silence list is like super cool. And now I have Dark Angels. Dark Angels were always really what I wanted to do. But I don't know, you know, how many people are familiar with like 1.0, Horus Heresy 1.0, but the Dark Angels rules didn't come out. They had like get you by rules in book six, which is like eight years into the Horus Heresy. And then they didn't get their main rules until book nine with like the lion and all the special units and stuff until book nine. And then they had those, I think, for two years. It's really not been before long. 2.0. Um, them and the them and night lords were there the traitors who also waited as night lords. Night lords were in book nine with them, but it was a redo. Yeah. So no, I think they had already been in at Isvan. Yeah. Uh, the second book. They really were the ones who waited the longest, and it's it's a shame. And they were uh, they were pretty solidly put together. They they did wait the longest, but they definitely had the most stuff. Like it, they they did kind of make it worth the wait, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's, it's still true today. They've still got a lot they of do. stuff there. It doesn't all quite fit together as well as it could, but they do have the most stuff. Yeah, and I've, that's just really hit one of the points that I'm really enthused about with Heresy right now is that no one. No Legion player is waiting for anything. No demons, and I'm a demon player, so I'm... We're still waiting for... Well, I mean, there's still people waiting for kits for stuff that was in 1.0 that never came out, and then now is in, like, Legacies or whatever. But everything in the core book is available, pretty much. All ten Legions are there with full set of rules, and we had them day one. I think that's something that's easily overlooked. Yeah, and they were all written... Right. They were all written kind of together, although... I don't know if you really analyze them. I think there were more that there was more than one team writing them, but that's okay. Um, they're all in the same kind of ballpark, you know. And so I think it was really good that they all came out at this together. There's definitely um, perfections, but it's a very big game, and I think we can get lost in the problems with it. I'm really happy with the s scope of the release and the fact we aren't waiting. Any core thing. I mean, I know we're still waiting for demons. I know we're still waiting for Alicia. But, uh... I'm probably going to piss some people off when I say this, but I think the demons are more core than the militia. Don't let don't let John hear me say that. But oh yeah, oh no, no, absolutely. Um, I also think we probably in a 
I've got this pet theory that they were ready to release a PDF for them. The reaction of the first PDF was so negative that, you know, they decided against it. They weren't going to give something out free that's not going to create really good publicity. So it's probably a good idea, yeah. honestly, if it was kind of as because so the leg we all we all know the legacies PDF was pretty slapdash together. And a lot of people are upset with it, but the exemplary battles are pretty uh, decently yeah. put together. I think, like, I don't think there's any one of the units that's like crazy over the top, overpowered or anything like that. I think that there's some that are better than others, but like, everything has to be better than something. So it is what it is. And then I think that the the latest exemplary battles are better than some of the beginning ones. But, like, overall, they're all at least add something cool. Whether it's the best unit in the, you know, in your army, it, it's still cool. Almost everybody got something really cool. And I think it does what it needs to do for free content, which is drive people to talk about the game in a positive way. Um, Precisely. Yeah. It does exactly what it, does, what it should do for free content. It sells models. Yeah, which I don't think, like, if they'd thrown a demon PDF out, it would have done. If it had been anything like that previous exemplary. So, I said have yeah i agree i agree so that maybe it's better that they kind of wait you know and i would rather it be right than fast i mean i, I still would really like this week's preview to be demon book but yeah no i'm sort of expecting like well old boy old boy spear has to go somewhere right i mean i suspect we'll have colton demon and we'll it'll probably be out shortly after adepticon <clears throat> well moving on a bit i suppose what i want to really talk about now Back towards the end of the our agenda, so um, is obviously what are we working on right now? And I guess for Lucas, you're working on Adepticon all the time. Yep, that's what I'm working on. Um, but it's funny actually because I feel less stressed about going to Adepticon and like getting the all everything I need to get done done than I would if I was painting an army for it. So. I'm having a pretty good time. I'm I've got some uh we're I'm painting up some scatter terrain. Um we're we're on track to have all the terrain that we need finished. I've got some really good I've got a really good team that's helping me as well. It's not just me at all. Um I've got a really good team that's doing some really cool terrain. Um one of my one of my close friends here in Dallas, his name is John Christensen. He's a host on uh Heresy Accountabilities, if you've ever listened to that. And he is painting quite a few tables for us. He's he's bringing a large portion of our tables. And then I was lucky, like I said, I inherited a bunch that were done from David. So we're, we're doing okay. Like I said, I'm working on some scattered terrain and then working on um, kind of finishing up, the putting the finishing touches on the NPC uh, models. AJ, are you doing any hobby work at the moment? Right now I'm trying to deal with some Forge World Dire Wolves. I got some pretty... Um, unfortunate castings of them. Um, we've already contacted customer service, and their response has pretty much been like, oh, deal with it or buy a new one. So making the best of it, of course. But that's what I'm up to. That's why I'm partially so quiet. Only 55 a pop. And one of them didn't even include the Titan Terminal. What? Okay, that's kind of BS. Like, you need that. So are they going to send you another one? or? Yeah. They're going to send me a uh, a terminal, but for the the pieces that were uh, like pretty pretty bad, they said like deal with it. So well, I hope you get them fixed because I really want to play against some direwolves. It really you know makes me super enthused that I haven't spent any money on them yet. So. 
well, there's other options for fielding them, but right now this is I'm just trying to see what I can do with the with these. Um, I'm uh, working on a pair of knights for 30k. Back in 2016, I got the Imperial Knight Renegade box when it came out. I built both of them up for a 40k army, and I haven't touched them in years now, so they're being dechaosified slightly to become them as my word bearers. Use them as laws of war. That's a fair bit of work. Well, they're going to look good once you're done, though. I'm hoping they are. Um, I forget how big knights are, because they're... A... You got a bit too used to the Titanicus scale. <laughs> yes. Also, paint. trying not to paint them in the same color scheme as my word bearers, um, because I did that with them. They were Iron Warriors, so they had the Iron Warriors scheme. <sighs> not sure I can do that to myself, have knights painted in the same color scheme. It doesn't quite feel law correct, so... Yeah, it's kind of like having the knights painted in the same scheme as your Titan Legion. It's like, not mm-hmm. always technically incorrect, right? There are some instances where they had the vassal houses or whatever it's called, where, but for the most part, a knight house stands on its own from a Space Marine Legion or a Titan Legio or whatever. So they kind of need their own color scheme. And I'm also not wanting to strip. I'm just trying to trying to be as delicate as I can by putting like one or two more layers over the Iron Warriors paint scheme to, to turn them into something else. I really don't want to strip them down. Well, luckily, a lot of like newer kind of clear paints, like contrast or whatever off-brand contrast um, that there is now. You know, everybody makes something like that now. Uh, go really well over metal. Oh yeah, and especially like weathered metal because they were weathered up. So I've Sort of done. I've turned their shoulder pads into pure black because I've been to put transfers on them, and then I'm doing a sort of yellow. So they're looking pretty coppery right now, which is the so black and copper is an interesting look. Go to town with the transfers this week, and then hit them with more weathering powders. They should work out pretty. Well. Yeah. Then I'll have some big models for that collection. My my dream is to get thirty k of traitors painted for Horus Heresy. Thirty k of thirty k. What are you at now? Uh, six before demons. Okay, that's not too bad. That's all, all, all my knights. All my knights. So my knights will probably add another... They'll, get pretty, they'll be another almost K. So we get pretty close to 7K. Thousand. Yeah, when demons drop, that will probably be... I've probably got 3K demons. Um, depending on what, how they point them. So, Which isn't bad for having no Horus Heresy in May. <laughs> yeah, you need a like a big centerpiece model for your word bearers. Like a Fellblade mm-hmm. or Mastodon, Mastodon or something. Mastodon what I want. I've just got to wait for the money. Yeah. I can actually see I myself using my Mastodon. Mastodon. <laughs> yeah. Mastodon. Um, I had a buddy last year took a Mastodon to a 40k event with a Horus Arity list, and it he was there to campaign for the Wooden Spoon, and it was a full list. So, you know, shows up, here in one hand, puts the Mastodon down, the entire army's inside it. Very easy play. Yep, as it should be. I played, um, that was like a list I played in 1.0. I had a Mastodon and two Termites. It was my whole army. It was actually really fun. A lot of people said they really enjoyed it, too. They felt like... The Mastodon is kind of like almost bad enough where it doesn't, it's not a feel bad at all. It, even if the enemy doesn't have a Lord of War, it can be kind of intimidating to people, but it really can't do anything. So you have to get out at some point. I know it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, I remember I think fought against your one in like my second game of Heresy when we did that really big one down at the uh, Citadel last year. Yeah, that was really fun. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good game. I need to do more like that. That was, that was a pretty good game. Um, once I've finished the knights, I'm hoping to move over and get these jet bikes painted because I think they'll go really well with my word bearers list. I need something to get in the back to the enemy's deployment zone when they decide to hide the thing I'm trying to kill. Yeah, that I think they'll be really good for that. What are you gonna? Mm. What weapon are you gonna? You said you're gonna magnetize them, or 
Yeah, I actually think the actual build I'm looking at is heavy bolters and then a close combat weapon on the sergeant. How many points? I mean, you don't know off the top of your head, probably. Is Volkai Culverin? I think they were 10 points. It's so worth it. Yeah, this they're 110. 110 for this three. I'm like, yeah, if I just put a spend the 15 points on a murder sword on the sergeants and just have them try a ridiculous first turn charge, it's not. It wouldn't be terrible if I'm trying to just pick off a single guy who's run away from my army. Yeah, but you can always, like, the cool thing about, I guess the Heavy Bolter does have pretty long range, but it doesn't really hit that hard. The Volkite Culverin just hits uh, hits hard. It does. Um, Multi-Melters are good. And I'm... Yeah, that's about, that'd be my other choice, is either Multi-Melter or Volkite Culverin. The Plasma Cannon is not terrible. It, can you put the Word Bearer's Plasma Cannon yes. on there? Yes. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it's really expensive. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's three pinning attacks. is not to be sniffed at. Almost tempted to run also a giant. There's a the part of me is like yeah, I should get like thirty of them and have a giant two giant blocks. That'd be really scary. Word bearers list that's barreling down on you and can buff the giant blocks of jet bikes. That's a lot of money. At that point, you wind up being a white stars army instead. Yeah, yeah. Well, every legion does everything. Don't do it. I I I don't like to discourage people from their dreams, but um, don't do it. <laughs> I, I've seen John. I I, I follow John's and I. I Speaking of which, thinking of John, I mean, you mentioned him earlier. I was gonna. I do need to fully credit John for the beauty that is my uh, Horus Heresy army. Back in the summer, when I started putting together my Heresy army, he sent me a giant goodie bag filled with uh, piles of little purity seals for my legion. Uh, put out a call for them, and John just came through. Yeah, he has a pretty insane bits collection. Yeah, and it's it's done me really proud, and really been able to raise my collection to that next level. So this podcast is also really good. If you're listening to this podcast, you should also make sure you listen to the Heresy Accountability Buddies, or whatever they call it. A bit of a mouthful, but uh, yeah, I'm a occasional co-host over there as well. So they're they're a, they're a solid group of guys. Um, even if they seem to be like everywhere because of the focus is Adepticon, and then they're everywhere in the states, basically. Okay, we're going to start moving towards the end of the show now. Um, a huge thanks to both AJ and Lucas for coming on the show. Uh, it was really enjoyable sitting there and talking to them about all things hobby for a while. And there's actually a fair bit of stuff we left on the cutting room floor. We went down some very weird tangents. And we're going to come back to some of those ideas later in future shows. There is one thing I want to put in its own separate space, which we're going to cut to here in a minute. I talked to Lucas for a bit about his plans for Adepticon. And he basically explained his grand plan for it. I'm including it here as a sort of final segment. I'll close out the show after Lucas finishes talking. Um, as you know, Ferex is a, a narrative event series that's been going on here, mostly in the Midwest, uh, since 2017. Um, we've had four or five events. Um, it used to be ran by a fellow named David Komen, and then, unfortunately, he passed away here in... Uh, December, early December. So we're still feeling that loss. That's yeah. like, it, it really, yeah, kind of hit us. And so some of us veterans of his event series have decided to kind of carry the torch forward on it. So this is the first event that's going to be under the new management, for better or for worse. Um, so we're really trying to pull out all the stops on it. Um, it's uh, it's going to be at Adepticon. That's the last weekend of March. Uh, 2023, and we have a three-day linked narrative. So we have 
Um, day one, effectively, Adepticon has two time slots every day. They have a morning and an evening time slot. So we're running our 3,000 point, like frontline, regular, kind of what you're used to for a Horse Heresy event on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And that's in the morning time slot. For, so from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's two rounds every day. It's 3,000 points. And those are all linked together. And you can actually... Um, unfortunately, the tickets are sold out. But you can actually sign up for just one day if you want to. You could sign up for just day one or just day two mm-hmm. or just day three. Or you could sign up for all three days if you're, if you're able to. Um, they used to offer... Adepticon used to offer tickets as a what's called a track where it basically added all three tickets to your cart at one time. And they had told us that that wasn't available anymore. And then when we logged in, there was some other event that was available as a track. And I was like, okay. So next year, we're definitely going to try to do a, a track of events where you can sign up for all three days at one time. Because that's really going to be like the grand experience. And then in the evenings, we we started out with one Zomortal's Mega Battle. Um, some of the terrain that we inherited from David is uh, an 18-foot Zomortalis table. Hmm, nice. So it's 4 feet yeah. wide and 18 feet long. And it's Death Ray Designs Zomortalis. I want to shout them out because they are, are probably our biggest supporter. Um, we have quite a few Death Ray Designs tables, and they are some of the best in the MDF terrain game. Yeah, I think, pretty sure I saw that table because he had it out at the and Halo back when he did the Unhalo events. Yeah, really yeah, awesome. he's had it out a couple times. I've had it out a couple times. So, yeah, it's awesome. It looks great. It, it has pieces. They actually have several different um, Zomertalis sets. They have one called, like, Deadbolt's Derelict, and they have one called, like, <sighs> there's one with, like, it's got, like, windows and stuff, and we have some of all of it, so that's pretty cool. And um, they... So we're going to do a Zomartel's Mega Battle. So it's effectively 16 players, um, 8 per side, at 2,000 points a player. And the only restriction on that is, obviously, all the regular Zomartel's list restrictions um, and no Primarchs. So that'll be really fun. And all of that is going to be linked together. Um, Whoever controls certain objectives on the Zomartel's is going to give their faction bonuses and all that good stuff that you kind of expect. There's going to be battle zones on the planet. There's going to be five battle zones. Each battle zone is going to be worth something for the team that controls it. And then on top of all that, we're going to have our points of interest system. So what that is, is these little tokens. They're like little 40 millimeter tokens. They say point of interest on them. And when you interact with them, when you touch them in base-to-base contact with a infantry or cavalry unit, um, you can activate them, and what that does is you actually go over to our organized, you know, our EO table, and you'll get to pick whether you want to draw an Archaeotech card or whether you want to draw a NPC card. And so the Archaeotech card is going to be like usually like a one-use item that gives you some kind of benefit, and the NPC card is actually like a model that you take back to your table and either um, joins your faction or joins the enemy faction. Um, there's there's four categories of NPC. There's loyalist, traitor, neutral, and hostile. So if you are a loyalist and you get an NPC and that loyalist is or that NPC is neutral or loyalist, it will join your army. But if it's traitor or hostile, it will join the opposing army. 
So that'll be fun. Um, we wanted to do the Archaeotech and the NPC system because the Archaeotech is pretty basic. It's just like a little add-on that you can do. So if you're like, you know, if your games are already kind of running to time or you don't feel confident, like with this whole other unit that you don't have any clue what it does, you can just pick the Archaeotech and kind of be on your way. You don't have to like, you know, because we were, we were kind of concerned that the NPCs would slow the game down quite a bit. So that's kind of where we're at on that. So um, that'll be cool. And then we have a pretty substantial amount of prize support to give away. So we got some Best Painted Awards and some uh, Most Thematic Awards. And then we're actually going to have a... One of our staff is going to be a Remembrancer. That's his role. And he's going to kind of walk around during the event and be like looking for guys that are doing cool stuff. Like, you know, the most memorable gaming moments and things like that, and he's going to uh, be giving away kind of prizes at his discretion, just randomly. We're going to also have door prizes and random draws, so it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. No, that sounds really good, Lucas. And you're planning on rolling that into other events after Adepticon as well? Precisely. Um, we're going we're gonna to keep going. We're not just going to leave mm -hmm. it at Adepticon. Uh, right now, I'm, don't, don't, uh, don't hold me to this, but we're trying for Dallas in august like at the beginning of august first two couple weeks uh where we have a couple different venues we're kind of shopping for that and then we are trying for um kansas city at the end of october early november somewhere in there that one's a little bit less we haven't quite found a venue for that but um we're working on it yeah so they're they're, they're both going to be pretty cool we're not just um I say we're pulling out all the stops for Adepticon, but we really want to have a high production value. No, I think that's it's important because if you're going to pay money for an event, it's got to be more than just what I could do if me and my mate showed up at a game store. Absolutely. Yeah, it's awkward when you get large events that are very It's okay to be simple, but I do agree that they need something kind of on top of just... Yeah, simple's a, the wrong word. I, spectacle? Spectacle, I think, may be the right word. If, yeah. So, I agree completely. Not there's anything wrong with showing up to game store and playing with friends either. No, uh, no, 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 no. It's just that you can do that for free on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have to spend your vacation time and your money and your hotel. You don't have to spend all that. Well, it's, and, and for the people putting it on, because having run events, it's, it's a lot of work. And at the end of the day, it feels like, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to get up on my high horse, but it is much more of a burden than people might think. Mm -hmm. it's, quite, it's quite involved. I've been working on the Adepticon stuff, like, you know, a couple nights a week for two months, at least, you know, like several hours, you know, 10, 15 hours every week for a couple months now. It's, it's one of those where it's like organizing any event is basically stepping up and having a separate hobby. Yeah, it, it's a hobby in and of itself. And that's actually very interesting you say that because that was really David's hobby. He really didn't play the game. Mm-hmm. He really wasn't, like, into playing Horse Heresy. He only played, like, a handful of times the whole time I knew him. But his hobby was, like, painting the terrain and bringing it to the event, bringing it to the game store and, like, letting people use it. And, that, you know, that was what he really enjoyed. No, and it's... And I get it. I mean, I spent the last decade before starting Wargaming running a LARP organization. And it's... I'd, I'd lose days of being stressed and angry at people. But, you know, at the end of the day, that was what I wanted to do with my time. It's weird. And it's a hobby. But it's definitely, um, you can, you know, you can kind of take joy in, like, when other people are there having fun and all that. Yeah, it's, you know, some people collect stamps, some people run events, uh, it's, you know. 
Right. I'm definitely kind of, um, you know, I've ran events in the past, nothing this size. So that's one of the things I was going to say is, um, so we sold for just for my events. So that's another thing we haven't really talked about. At Adepticon, I'm only half of the Horse Heresy mm-hmm. events, or uh, maybe even a little bit less than half, if you count, like, just the number of events. Um, I have five events, but I think there's seven others, six or seven others. There's, like, the tag teams, the which is, like, a team turn, not a, really a tournament, but, like, a team event. There's um, one called Grudge Match that's a very free-form event that they're running. Um, there's one called... Um, attrition, which is like you start with a big list and kind of whittle it down to a small list at the end of the day. There's one called Notorious BAG, which is uh, Apocalypse, basically. And then there's the Fate of Beta Garmin, which is the culmination of Arthur Alex's Beta Garmin campaign, which is he's doing very, yeah, he's doing some really cool stuff with that. That's super dope. And with that, we'll come to the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for AJ and Lucas for coming on and talking about the hobby and for Lucas going on about his plans for Adepticon. I'm sure it's going to be an absolutely fantastic time. If you've enjoyed today's show, please recommend it to a friend. Go out and share it on social media. Subscribe on your favorite podcatcher and all of that jazz. I will see you all in two weeks. Please subscribe to the podcast on your podcatcher of choice, and we will see you in two weeks. If you have any questions for the show, please email us at firesofbetrayal at gmail.com or reach out through our social media account or at the respective owners. Until next time, we wish you all good fortune.